This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. For more, visit lbj.utexas.edu. Hello, everyone. This is Angela Evans, the Dean of the LBJ School, and we're in another podcast on policy and purpose. And today I'm extraordinarily honored to have Director Stephen Dillingham, who's taken on the enormous task, scary, I think, in some ways, of um, being the head of the U.S. Census Bureau in the time that we're getting ready for the 2020 count. And the director came to uh, the University of Texas and the LBJ School to really talk to us and the students about the importance of the census count and how it's used and to solicit information and get ideas of how we can make this work the best. And as we said earlier, it's one of the few places in the Constitution that has directs us to do something in terms of counting our population, Article 1, which is the most important article in my opinion. Uh, And um, so we're here today. So... Director Dillingham, tell us a little bit about what your what your real wishes are in terms of getting the youth involved in, in this movement. Absolutely. And Dean, thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's a great honor to be here at the LBJ School of Public Affairs, be at the University of Texas, to be here in Austin, and to be in the great state of Texas. Uh, one of the messages, as, as you said, we, we're communicating about the uh, the census and, and what it's about and, and helping to educate and motivate people. But particularly this week and in the upcoming weeks and in, the, in recent weeks, we're trying to reach out to the higher education community and reaching out to the college students. There's some 20 million students across the nation, and we want them to know the census is coming. April 1st, 2020 is Census Day, but we have, tr- we have almost a half million census jobs. It's the greatest mobilization since World War II. It happens every 10 years. And higher education and college students are uniquely positioned. For many, it would be their first jobs. They can go to 2020census.gov, apply online, and it's a great opportunity, either a first employment opportunity or a part-time employment opportunity. It pays well, and we reimburse for mileage. So we're making a special appeal to the college students to take part in this great civic event. One of the things we talked about earlier in a breakfast was the importance of census data yes. for the research that is undertaken at the universities and how the students study this and in the information they will use when they go out into the sector, whether they go into a public sector or whether they go into a business or nonprofit. They're going going to be using this type of data. So being in a university uh, is really important for us to support this type of thing. Absolutely. I I think it's the most used data in the country. When you think about public policy analysis and research of all types, public and private sectors, you usually – Think about how many people are being served or how many customers do you have. And in almost all data for public policy reasons are associated with the people and the population data. So it's just extremely important. Universities are great partners with us. We have special relationships with universities and we very much appreciate their support and their use of our data. I want you to share with the listeners some of the, the new initiatives that you started in terms of gaining trust for people uh, so they'll actually participate in the census. You have an amazing array of things that you've undertaken and, and are beginning to undertake. So explain a little sure. bit of that to people who are listening to this. Right. Well, trust is so important. So we do communicate the very basic 
message that the census is so easy. We now have these two new – you can do it on paper. You can do it on the internet or by phone. It's, it's also so safe, and we can have long discussions about the laws that prevent anyone in the Census Bureau from sharing that information with anyone. We don't share it with the other federal agencies. We take in data, personal data, and we produce statistics, and we only share statistics. And that's governed by very stringent federal laws, also by culture and by practice within the Census Bureau. We have an excellent track record, but Congress passed those special protections in the 1950s, and they're in force today, and, and everyone should be aware their data is safe. And the importance, as you pointed out, the data is used for everything from education to infrastructure to uh, medical services. Whatever you can think of, usually, behind it somewhere is census data and population data. So those, those are very important messages that we, we send out to the, uh, to the public and others and to the higher education community. And I think some people don't understand as well that some of these communities use that for community development in terms of getting uh, attracting businesses and to getting services like hospitals, having the data that shows the need. Absolutely. I think people need to understand that as well. You're exactly right. And we have special training programs and dissemination programs with those data. We have people in every state that uh, coordinate the census data with those states. And uh, they're our customers and we work closely with them. We try to identify, they identify needs for us and we work with them in making sure that they can apply our data to meet their public policy needs and their public service requirements. Uh, Director, when you think about um, what's going on now with yeah. the, the scares of fake news yeah. or people intruding into our systems and, and, and that the technology is moving more toward online or cellular types of sure. uh, collection of the data, what are some of the things that you've worried about and what are some of the things that you're doing to try to prevent um, that being corrupted, the data sure. being corrupted. Sure. It, it's, uh, it gets back to that trust factor. People really need to know that the data is safe and that it's accurate. So we have uh, elaborate systems for dealing with uh, protection of data. We have special contingency plans and we work with some of the leading organizations, private sector and public, to make sure that the uh, we counter misinformation uh, and, and that the public really understands the importance importance of the census data and how what its true uses are. So, so we're, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier this morning with you, we have a, a, the largest ever communications campaign, about a quarter of a million dollars in paid advertising, as well as the enormous amount of public service announcements that explain this to the public. And, and hopefully they, they receive that message that, uh, again, it's easy, it's safe, and it's so important. And uh, that kind of counteracts misinformation or, or sometimes apprehensions that they may have. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you're using communities. You have the, the big effort that sure. you started in terms of using grassroots communities to help as well. Communities are vital. Communities, and, and by communities, certainly at the local level, but uh, also cities and counties and state governments, uh, they make the difference. I always explain the census cannot be conducted by the federal government alone, and it never has. If you go back and study the history in 1790, it really relies on the public willing to come forward and provide the information 
action that's needed. So it is our mission as a federal agency, but in many ways we're sort of a coordinator and sometimes we're the beneficiary of, of the great efforts going on at the community level. So we work with community groups. We have uh, what we call, generally we call community complete count committees, and we have about 7,000 of those across the nation. We uh, have a goal of having th- more than 300,000 partners. We want every university to be our partner. We want uh, every school d- district. We actually would like every school to be our partner. So uh, our partners are uh, stretch far and wide in very diverse groups, but they make all the difference in the world because people trust the people in their community. And, and so if we have the trusted voices in those communities uh, explaining the census, it goes a long ways. Mm. I'm seeing 2020 is really a pivotal year in many ways. Yeah. One is, you know, the difficulty that some people are talking about in terms of getting an actual headcount of people who are here. Yes. But the other thing is what you're trying to do is move us away from this image of a person coming to your door with the questionnaire yes, on a clipboard and mm-hmm. starting to use technologies and yes. new kinds of information technology. So this is going to be a very pivotal census here where you're trying to move people that way. So the success of that is very important. Absolutely. We want the vast majority of people to self-report their data. Whenever a household self-reports its data, it saves the American taxpayers $100 plus per household. We don't have to send someone out to knock on the door to collect information. So we base, we will send five different mailings to every household if we haven't heard back from them. In the fourth mailing for most of the country, they will receive the questionnaire. And so they can decide, do I want to... Um, answer by mail? Do I want to do the written form? Do I want to use the internet? Or do I want to make a phone call? And we have 10 customer service centers around the country that can handle the high volume calls and take the information over the phone. And you can complete your census in less than 10 minutes for most households. And you were talking too. You can, if you're doing it by cellular phone, you can do it anywhere. That's uh, in right. A football Any, stadium and a basketball court, yeah. whatever. It is. It's too. It's too bad. It's not during football season. <laughs> yeah. But you're absolutely right. You can basically answer the census anywhere at any time. And we're so pleased to have these new options. And it helps us. They're tools for reaching the hard to count populations. Yes. The one thing I want to talk about a little bit before we we have to end this is when you think about 2030. Yeah. What are the things you're looking at at the 2020 census that give you previews for 2030? Is it, is it the emerging information technologies? Is it the fact that we have very isolated uh, populations? Is it What are a couple of things that you're focusing on to really see what the 2020 census projects? Sure. It's all the above. And, and change, you know, in many areas in, in, uh, uh, in this country, change is just enormous in, in our society. So the census relying on the public has to be able to accommodate change. So this time we're using these new technologies, and we will have this experience under our belt. How well did it work? What are the lessons learned? We will need to document the practices and see if this would be used and, and, and maybe uh, improved and enhanced in the future. But there may be other challenges, too. You know, there's enormous administrative data that the federal government has and the state government has, et cetera. So sometimes that data is very important to getting to the accuracy of our count. And so uh, we're looking at options and we're always looking at the bottom line, the the, the tax dollars. And there may be new ways and new approaches uh, in the future that can save more money and perhaps enhance the accuracy. Well, your career as a public Mm -hmm. servant has really gone into data. And, you know, the importance of data and collecting data. And so we're very fortunate to have you as the director. 
And um, just I want to end on one thing. If you had to tell the people who are listening to this, if you had a message for them, what would that be? You can trust the census. Please support the census and help others participate in the census. Simple. Three little lessons, and I hope everyone does it. This is an extremely important event that we do in our country, and it's important for our democracy. So I really appreciate what you're coming here. I appreciate you taking time, and we wish you the best of luck as you take on this enormous challenge. Dean, thank thank you you so so much. much. Okay. Thank you. This is Policy on Purpose, a podcast produced by the LBJ School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas at Austin. We take you behind the scenes of policy with the people who help shape it. To learn more, visit lbj.utexas.edu and follow us on Twitter or Facebook at the LBJ School. Thank you for listening.